Welcome to Because We Had To, a podcast dedicated to the leaders, entrepreneurs, and dreamers who are foundational to the American spirit. This show is powered by Solero Commerce on the Park Life Podcast Network. I'm your producer, Suzette Beller. Today's episode features several guests from the Solero leadership team, Matt Moore, Kevin Brolin, and Scott Ferraci, three members of our team who are dedicated to protecting America's small businesses during COVID-19. Here are your hosts, Kevin Jones and Brian Castle. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How you doing, man? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm glad we're finally getting to do this, although in a uh, little bit different circumstances uh, than what we first thought. Um, but we've been talking about this for months, and uh I'd like to welcome you to episode one of Because We Had To, which is our vision for a podcast that's dedicated to leaders, entrepreneurs, culture carriers, dreamers, the kind of people that you and I agree are foundational to the American spirit. It's great, Brian. I know that we had a lot of fun actually going back and forth with Suzette trying to name this. Um, And I'm glad we came up with that. I mean, we both share a love for the Avid Brothers, and this is uh, the titles from one of their songs that we really like. And I think it gets to what drives uh, why we're doing this, which is the pursuit of excellence. And, you know, that yearning of builders, the creative spirit, the problem solvers, the entertainers, you know, all of these parties that have that drive uh, to excel and explore. And um, I think that it represents those folks that don't really choose to pursue their dreams or excellence, but actually have to do it because of the fire inside of them. And uh, this podcast is for them. And what better way to start it? We certainly didn't plan to start with small businesses, but they certainly represent a huge faction of exactly why we created this is to help people that are following their dreams and trying to create their own businesses, um, which is really the American dream. And um, I'm excited today to talk about ways that we can collectively Uh, focus on uh, helping them survive this current pandemic and uh, environment that they're trying to uh, navigate their way through. I'm really excited about that. You know, we're having one of your brightest folks come on to talk about that in a few minutes, Um, Kevin Brolin, who uh, has been in charge of a lot of the rollout for the survival kit. And I've been impressed on a couple of fronts. First, the level of passion, but also kind of parallel to that, a sobriety. You know, there's a, I I had a chat with Kevin Brolin the other day about this, and I think he and your team are really bringing the the right level of gravity to the situation. You, You have to be able to talk to people in the right ways and be empathetic to the situation Um, because the fact is you do have products in here and services that where you're trying to find the right things to bring value to them in the moment. And that leads me to number two. And that is, you know, at, at this time, a lot of small businesses are having to rethink almost entirely how they do business, whether it's the small boutique shop, that it was positioned in a really nice area of a particular town that had a lot of foot traffic 
they've never had to think about things like e-commerce. You know, they lived and died and actually really thrived by just their physical location. So they're having to consider becoming an e an e-tailer all of a sudden. Similar deal with a restaurant. You know, you have that fine dining experience. And they're faced now with trying to keep the lights on by helping people recreate that at home. And, you know, it goes to lots of different types of businesses, hair salons. You know, they can't bring people right now to get their hair styled in lots of states. So they're having to do lots of things to adapt to. And so I'm really looking forward to having Kevin Brolin in here in the next few minutes to kind of walk through this thing. I think it was really well thought out and, you know, ultimately customer centered. Absolutely. I mean, our overall organization has been really split into an offense and a defense, you know, during this environment, which is different for us. We're, you know, we have half of our team really focused on, you know, protecting the health of our employees, our company, our partnerships, um, making good decisions around that. And we have the other portion uh, really focused on helping uh, our customers survive and thrive. I, I really should amend that to customers and non-customers because, you know, we feel like right now is a time for us to try to help that segment and any way that we can, whether they're customers or not, and just be sure that we preserve, I think, what I believe is a national treasure is local businesses. I think that's exactly the the right feeling to have for this. I am curious about this approach. I, I ran across something online the other day, and I think it's at least analogous to what you're doing with Solero right now, and it's called a team of teams approach. Where did you come up with the idea to have – I know y'all are still unified, but, you know, as far as the daily tasks, the daily grind, the daily focus, where did you come up with this idea of offense and defense? Yeah, it's really in a in a morning meeting that we're having right now with the pandemic response team. <laughs> and it's thinking through our purpose as a company, you know, which is to help small businesses thrive. And if you think about that, I mean, it's a really easy outcome in those discussions as to how can we help? How can we really help? And, you know, the answer was, as Kevin will go through, is helping businesses transform in a way that preserved revenue in the short term. Um, and then they get back to doing business the way they love to do it after this passes. But in the meantime, help them protect the revenue so they can survive this period. And anything that we can do to help uh, share ideas, best practices, or solutions that help them achieve that drove that decision. We've been talking about Kevin Brolin just a little bit here with regard to the survival kit. I'm glad to finally have him on here. Uh, Kevin Brolin, National Vice President of Sales at Solero. Welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? Man, thanks so much. Doing well. Definitely uh, definitely staying busy right now. That's for sure. Yeah, I know uh, Mr. Jones here has given you a lot of responsibility just coming into the company several months ago, but I think your role 
has taken on some extra special importance right now uh, with the outbreak of COVID-19 and how a lot of businesses out there just overnight went from really growing and thriving uh, to choking and, and, and struggling to survive. So you've spearheaded an initiative, and I know about this because of my work with the uh, marketing team at Solero. I wanted to get some color for, for how this is being rolled out to Solero's large army of small business merchants. Um, so let's talk about the survival kit. I think what strikes me is you are enabling people to make some relatively small changes in some cases that can have a profound effect on their business model and help them adapt uh, and maybe even help them grow uh, after this is all over. So if you don't mind, walk us through what you're doing right now, you and your team are doing uh, with merchants across the country. Yeah. And it really, um, it's an interesting scenario just because it's, it's an intricate kind of strategic plan that you want to make sure you, you take all the, the right steps with. Uh, but there's obviously, you know, a significant time crunch associated with it. You know, you can't, you can't analyze it too much because you, you got to get, you know, the, these solutions and ideas um, out there to, to, to your merchant base and not just your merchant base, just, just anyone who kind of needs help at the time. So, you know, we, we, we thought about it really kind of identified specific areas that, you know, overnight, you know, I remember I, I was I was in Nashville and came home for the weekend. And then Monday, it was like a different world. And we had to not only adjust ourselves, but um, get these tools within what we're calling the, the survival kit uh, out there to help. You know, that, that's our main thing is get our message out, get these solutions out to help. Um, not to, to gain business or grow portfolio, but to to, to keep these businesses maintaining. And it's um, like in our survival kit, we kind of identified that the, the non-traditional type of um, non-card card swipe business, you know, that they, they need to, to find a way to accept payments without swiping a card, even if just forever, they've only had face-to-face -face interaction and that's the only way they've done it. So we pieced together our survival kit, really centering around, um, our e-commerce e solutions, uh, virtual and mobile payments, um, virtual gift cards, uh, and quick tools for merchants to establish online ordering, delivery software, curbside pickup, all of that, you know, even if they've never considered it. So I, I've seen, I see stuff like mobile solutions. Like uh, I think people are familiar a lot of people might be familiar with using apps or, or mobile card readers or both. Um, what kinds of merchants are finding themselves needing to go mobile versus if like they were in kind of a traditional point of sale slash register uh, card terminal? Yeah. The, the, the small restaurant, Right. Like, you know, they've never thought of anything beyond, you know, for good reason. You know, it's just how it's always been. 
the small restaurant, the small local restaurant down the street that I walk to that I never think twice about anything but walking in for my my order that I'm picking up or sitting down and paying there at the front. All of a sudden, they've got to totally shift their model in receiving orders and break, bringing orders out to cars and, you know, those mobile solutions, whether it's through off.net or for us, we've got Clover Go um, to be able to uh, accept, you know, the payment, the, the, the additional fees they've got to it and any additional tips um, to accept, which is also a big part of it. The, the, these mobile solutions that all of a sudden um, small restaurants are having to adopt and utilize uh, we really wanted to make sure there's a great tip option because uh, not only do we want to drive business to these 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 small restaurants, uh, small retail shops, whatever it may be, um, the tip option is super important because people are are going to be giving to support their local businesses. So not only just do we want them to have the tool, but everything that comes with it to to help them uh, survive, you know, thrive, and as you mentioned, eventually grow. I know a lot of people in a lot of communities very deeply care about their small business community and specific businesses, whether it's their hair salon, boutique shops, restaurants, of course. And they can actually invest in these companies. I look at it as an investment. When you can buy a virtual gift card that puts cash into that business right now in exchange for service that they kind of have to deliver face-to-face. How easy is that to implement? Yeah. Yeah. The, the virtual gift card is, it's funny. Like this personally happened to me over the weekend. Um, A, uh, a small local pizza place in, in Dallas, I had purchased an order from the weekend before, um, the website, you know, either got hacked or, or something happened to it. And I saw a charge on my account for a hundred dollar gift card at this place that I didn't do. So I had to turn around and, and do a charge back for it, but I did turn around and get a hundred dollar gift card because it kind of sparked my own idea. Like, yeah, I'm going to, this is a bummer. This happened to me. I'm going to fix it, but you know, I'm going to turn around and you know, this is a sign I'm going to, I'm going to invest. And, and that virtual gift card tool is, so useful. Like traditionally, you know, if you had the wrong partner, um, you know, the the setup and, and the delivery of plastic gift cards and the implementing of that system could could be a pain. Um, it, it needed to to really be the perfect type of setup um, for it to work. Now, with the virtual gift card system, whether it's through through Auth.net uh, or or another vendor. Um, you know, those virtual gift cards can be, the system can be set up quickly. They can be emailed or sent via text. There's no waiting on the delivery of, of the plastic cards. Um, and also comes with, you know, great reporting, issuing the, the balances, uh, outstanding balance on cards. It's just the the most simple setup for even the the smallest type of business, which is the the main feature, in my opinion, is is a traditionally um, could be viewed as as clunky uh, additional tool in in gift cards um, is great now. Easy setup. It's just through your website, easy delivery, and, and anyone can use it. It's it's perfect right now. 
I'm also very heartened to see another way you guys are facilitating investment, and that's in the nonprofit community. You know, when, when we're building our survival kit, um, we really wanted to get all of our all of our tools out there to, to everyone. And the stigma really in amongst e-commerce, which is huge, huge now, but it, it the perception is that it can be difficult. It's not. Very simple setup. You know, you need a, a merchant services provider, which is us. You need a, a gateway, um, which we provide. And you need a shopping cart, uh, which if you have a website, you can um, set that up pretty easily. And it, it ties it all together. And then you can easily, you know, um, create a setup where you can uh, accept donations, recurring donations. The gifts can even be anonymous. Um Giver's contact information can be included or not, which, you know, sets up a, a few more uh, additional benefits for any nonprofit. If if you're receiving uh, donations and they set up for recurring, great. If you receive a one-time donation and uh, you then have a, a database of contact information for those who are giving, um, it gives you a, a tool to uh, send out recurring communications, you know, um, in, in a time of need, uh, you want to have everything at your disposal to be able to, to receive these donations and givings if you're a nonprofit. And I'm sure those out there are more than willing to help multiple times if they've helped once. And, you know, all of that on top of your gateway, you, you, you're going to have mobile apps where you can uh, key enter card information, you know, and, and continue to send invitations to those who have given to be recurring uh, donators. So I want to ask you a couple questions and, and they're both centered on speed because I feel like you, Kevin, have, have especially focused on getting these solutions to the marketplace with great speed. So first question, how quickly does that boutique shop with a website get set up with a gateway and start taking payments through a gateway to become an e-commerce shop. Secondly, how does that nonprofit, like a church, let's just focus on a church, where their offering plate is gone, how quickly can they get that gateway set up from the first time they call you? You know, what, what we've always said is is we're willing to work as, as quickly as the merchant is. You know, um, we're the ones really uh, doing everything we can to, to sign up accounts as quickly as we can. Uh, it's all really at the discretion of, of any business owner um, or decision maker. You know, if, if, if anyone's willing to, to kind of drop what they're doing for a couple hours and lock into this process, we'll get them set up that day as quickly as we can. Um, not that it, it's ever not a huge focus, um, but boarding speed uh, during this, you know, just absolutely crucial time of, you know, the, the COVID scare hitting and then multiple weeks, multiple months of survival mode. Um, that boarding time has never been more important. Um, so we can get that set up within the day. We'll get all the information sent out. Uh, truly, you know, not just getting them set up to receive these payments quickly and, and access uh, that donation or um, payment that they're receiving, uh, 
uh, but make sure they're taken care of, which is really just the the driving force behind um, everything we're doing right now. You know, one of the main reasons we put Kevin uh, at the helm of our offense at Solera to help these SMB merchants survive is you know, just the massive data that we're getting. You know, we've we've played very nice uh, with friends in the sandbox uh, in our careers. And so there's a lot of CEOs that share data with us um, and we share some data with them. I think everybody is, is trying in good faith to understand and project what's going on here. You know, we've seen from multiple data sources in March is in the small business sector, volume at these businesses was down 20%. In week three, down 35%. and week four, down 50%. So as you can imagine, I mean, we've done some preliminary projections. The average small business in America can only last 28 days without sales. 26% of merchants are shut down or closed. So, you know, some are just not processing at all temporarily and some are just already gone. So when we look at that, a 50% drop overall and a 26% uh, faction that's just not doing anything, you know, that's, that's where these solutions come into play. And these solutions are, you know, it truly is a survival kit. You know, that's not a, you know, hokey name we came up with. It's, it's there for a reason. And, um, and Kevin and a, a large uh, portion of our team has been solely focused on you know, trying to get these solutions out to help these businesses survive. The the resource center you you mentioned that uh, it's solerocommerce.com backslash COVID dash nineteen. That is, and I've said it multiple times. Uh, our marketing team, Scott Fracy and his team, have put in so much work, created so much content, poured hours into getting as much information as possible onto this page that it, it truly rivals anything you'll find out there. I, I really believe that. And it's not just Solero solutions. You know, we've got our response. We've got our personal survival kit. We've, we're posting all the webinars that we're doing, um, but it's also government and industry resources. Our, our approach has been whether or not it's, it's our tool that we built or if it's just a great idea someone else has, we're making sure that we're making that as visible as possible to help whoever it may help. What a pleasure it is now to have Chief Marketing Officer of Solero Commerce, Scott Ferraci, join us on the line. I get to work with Scott almost every day and enjoy his personality and how he communicates with people, uh, whether it's being a part of his external team, seeing how he treats people. You know, Scott, at this point in your career, you ought to be a master communicator, and so I'm glad you do live that. Scott has been in pretty much every corner of the marketing world. Really ideal for this company because you've got such good experience. Um, you've chosen to turn a lot of your thought leadership efforts to helping small businesses. 
Well, first, I will say thank you for having me, Brian. Uh, it is mutual. Working with you and your team is a pleasure, too. So I appreciate the opportunity to sit here and talk about uh, what Solero is doing and what we're doing as an organization and what we're seeing out there. You know, obviously, these are unprecedented times, and seeing what's going on is something that, you know, it, uh, it was very nice of you to say somebody with a long career as opposed to saying I was old. Um, but uh, have many years of seeing what has gone on in this country, and it's not anything any of us have ever experienced to this level and on this many fronts. And so, you know, having gone through things like financial crises or even natural disasters and things like that, but to combine all of it on a worldwide level and to have the impact both from a health and from a you know business standpoint is really unprecedented. So, you know, I think what it really highlights as far as what we were going to talk about today, you know, it really highlights the value of how people give back and help others. And, you know, one of the things that truly impresses me, and I'll speak very highly about um, our company and Kevin Jones and what he's done for Solero and what Solero is trying to do, you know, is is really trying to create efforts to inspire hope and create similar efforts from others out there. And whether that be with our customers, whether that be with what we are doing as an organization or what other orga- other companies are doing out there, I think trying to bring all that to light and say, hey, here's how we can all pitch in and help in this time um, is important. And, you know, that always inspires me about our country in general, is that when things really do, do get tough, our country pulls up its bootstraps and gets to work. And, you know, we might take that first hit. Um, and bounce right back. And I think, you know, I won't I won't um, kill you with my singing abilities, but there's that Toby Keith song about getting, you know, kicked in the butt and coming right back. And it's a, it's always funny, but to me it's inspiring because it shows what as a country and as what all of us as individuals and then what we as a company can do in, t- in hard times. And so, you know, I think getting involved in local charities, um, Really getting, you know, what's been great to see, and I want to talk about that, some examples in a minute about uh, efforts from a local community, but so many people are getting very creative and smart uh, from a business level on how they're giving back or how they're impacting their communities. And, you know, we've talked before, Brian, about, you know, cause marketing and what a great, you know, win-win situations it creates for businesses in the community it's involved in, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, you create an impact in that community that's positive. You've built relationships that didn't exist before. You're creating networking opportunities that really spider out and you're creating an unbelievable goodwill in that community for what you do, which really cements your business as a go-to company or organization in those communities you serve and people see that. And I think the genuineness of the way you do that is very important because obviously companies don't want to see you just writing a check and you don't really do anything beyond that, but really showing that you care and how you get involved. And I think with what's going on with the pandemic right now, you know, local businesses need that help. And what's interesting is that for all those years, I think back to, you know, growing up and uh, growing up in a small town in New York and the local collision shop was my little league team sponsor for many years. And I'm sure they're the ones needing help now. So it's like all those years that they were helping you in that local community. And you think about all of the 
things that your local business does. Um, Kevin likes to talk about the impact of the local dollar being spent with local organizations and how it has a multiplying effect. And I think it's really important when you think about it in times now that those businesses need it more than ever. And, you know, we've got heard some really great stories. Um, you think about one from uh, Puckett's and Americana Tap House here in Nashville, you know, where they really turn their place into a way to offer meals and select groceries to people that really needed the help, knowing that a lot of people had lost their jobs. And, you know, to hear an organization say, hey, just pay what you can. Um, you can't pay, take something. I mean, that kind of goodwill is unheard of. I mean, that's the stuff that's so inspiring to see an organization put, you know, their financial stability above anything else to say, hey, we know this is hard on us in particular because they're a restaurant. And for them to be doing this is even beyond the scope of what you would expect from somebody. I mean, that's a really inspiring story. Yeah, I was I was really taken with that story from the the owner of Puckett's and Americana Tap House because he basically turned his restaurant into a food pantry and, and made a pretty overtly to all the people he considers colleagues in the restaurant industry, just tons of people who've been displaced, you know, come by, get a hot meal, grab some groceries, pay what you can. Um, it, it, it's the opposite of that circle the wagons mentality. Yeah. And, I mean, I, and I mean, there's an example right in your neighborhood with Loyalist Market uh, in Charlotte, another restaurant that, you know, saw that schools are out, which means you have lots of kids that were displaced. And a lot of those kids were only getting their only meal of the day from the school. And now they're there providing meals for kids that could not get them otherwise. I mean, that's the part where you look at it and you go, as a business, you really know they're being genuine and they're thinking about where is the impact in the community and based on what we do, how can we help? And finding whatever way they can do to to help somebody. I mean, again, I don't want to be too altruistic in this, but, you know, from a cause marketing standpoint – that is the truest definition of cause marketing. You're you're making an impact in that community. And, you know, without necessarily saying there's a quid pro quo, this is something where you're giving back. And, you know, I, I do think what does happen is that people remember you for that. And that's a small organization, a small restaurant in one community doing that. And there's thousands of those stories across this country right now. Yeah, I um, when I hear stories about loyalists and, Puckets and some of the other places you and I have talked about a lot, Scott. It makes me remember I used to do a lot of marketing at one time for a, a company that made big equipment for agriculture. Um, everything but combines, basically. Seeders and plows and big fertilizer spreaders. And the guy who ran sales and marketing for that company he told me, he said one day, he said, do you, do you know why John Deere is the iconic brand in farm equipment? And he said, it's, he said, you only know them because they're the freaking huge gorilla, right? He said, but years ago when they were a relatively small company, still with a lot of market share, but a lot smaller, there was a really bad time, a drought, um, where a lot of U.S. farmers in normal times would have had their 
tractors, everything they own repossessed. And they basically went into selfless mode, went into preserving their community, their remark, their marketplace, worrying less about the bottom line. And I don't want to go too heavy with this because I know a lot of people are hurting and can literally afford nothing. But he said, you know, that's why every farm kid in America wears John Deere because they were there for people and their brand rocketed. You know, what's funny, Brian, is you bring that up and we hadn't even planned to talk about that, but it kind of plays into from a marketing perspective. One thing we always talk about and, you know, nice marketing terminology, but brand loyalty, brand loyalty is built upon things like that. That is what creates that brand loyalty. So when you walk into that and you're looking at your options, you'll say, you know what? It's not price that's going to drive this decision. It's going to be the the character of the company and what that value means when I look at saying that's the tractor I drive. And I think, you know, that's an important thing. And when times are down, you know, Kevin and I have talked about this and he's talked a lot about this with our leadership team. It's the character of, of all of our individuals in this company and what they're doing to rise to the occasion. And it is in your sphere of influence, where can you make an impact and what can you do to help the greater good, the overall organization? So whether it's your company, your family, your community, your state, your country, the world, I mean, that's what I think it's so much about that message about the stay at home or um, how do you all help in the smallest way you can? It's having a, a ripple effect, right, across the whole country. And that's what cause marketing is. So to bring this back around the loop, I mean, you think about it. I mean, I have an example of one with this is one of our partners, our financial institutions, First Financial uh, Northwest Bank. It's a community bank in the Northwest. And, you know, they said, hey, we need to do something. They got out of this at the very front of all this and said, you know what? We want to support local communities and local charities in our community. So they were doing a 30 nonprofits in 30 days promotion where they were going to ask their employees to give to 30 to a different nonprofit. And you got to dress down casually. You know, so it turns something that they do internally as as a hey, you can do this, but help us support because they need the help right now. And then they on top of that, they were adding something they called thankful Tuesdays where they were paying for lunch for their employees every Tuesday and supporting a local restaurant and then promoting that via their social media channels. Um, I mean, that's that's where it's really like, okay, what can we do? We can do this. And here's something that we can impact our employees and we can impact the community in general. Well, I'm excited about the next guest joining us. I've had the opportunity to work with him a few times, despite his normal, you know, 400 days a year on the road. Matt Moore is the leader of Solero's Bank Max program. Uh, he spent most of his natural born life building this. So without further ado, let's bring in Mr. Matt Moore to talk about uh, Bank Max and how the BankMax program is being tooled and retooled during the time of uh, COVID-19 
to help financial institutions and their merchants. Morning, Matt. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're thrilled to talk to you as we always are. Um, tell us what you've been up to these last few weeks. I, I would imagine you're not doing your normal 400 days a year uh, in an airplane going to visit uh, partner financial institutions uh, in person. Um, spend a little more time with your family. Uh, what are you doing now for the company to reach out? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I actually was fortunate to say goodbye to American Airlines for a little while um, and have been home here in Nashville. But, you know, I, I think our outreach has not stopped. Um, you know, strangely enough, we, we've, we've seen a lot of this before. Uh, BankMax was really generated in 2008 with the financial crisis. Uh, prior to that time, we had long served community banks that we feel like are the, are the pillars of small business communities uh, and our economy. And of course, when we had the financial crisis of 2008, a lot of banks were struggling at that time. And for us, uh, particularly in our industry, to generate revenue and uh, continue to serve small businesses, you know, we're working directly with our bank partners. And I think historically, that was a changing moment for, uh, for banks across America. Um, this is not an insult for banks. It's something I say on a, on a daily basis. But prior to that time, I think most bankers' idea of sales was to unlock the door in the morning. And I think 2008 taught them that they have to actually go out into the community and uh, interact with their customers and, and change their habits. So during that time, we really pioneered a process uh, beyond just uh, the payments product, but developing a, a BankMax program that would allow them to to be very uh, proficient when it come, came to servicing and selling their customers. Uh, and there's several things that we do with that. We identify um, those customers that are uh, most pertinent, um, those customers that can be beneficial from them from a depository and a lending side. Uh, we bring them the tools and technology that they need to be competitive in that market. And we also bring them the, the pricing that they need to compete uh, with national competitors, in addition to pointing out what competitors are doing to uh, to maybe mistreat or not provide full transparency to the customers. So uh, 2008 was really a, a changing moment for us and for our financial institution partners. And uh, here we find ourselves again with a, a different type of crisis, a, a health crisis, which obviously is also parlaying itself into a financial crisis as well. And those same elements that uh, we provided back in 2008 have continued to provide to our banking partners uh, since that time period are even more uh, relevant today. So as we're changing behaviors um, with the survival kit and, and changing uh, the way that people are interacting from a face-to-face -face environment, uh, we want to be outbound providing the technology solutions that small businesses and our bankers need uh, in order to conduct commerce. Uh, we're also living in, a, in an era where you know, every dollar matters. And uh, if we can uh, increase fee income for our financial institution partners to make them continue to be the cornerstones of Main Street and communities, we're also being able to put uh, additional revenue and savings back into uh, the small business owners' uh, business as well. So um, it's, a, it's a really trying time, um, but it's uh, important that we actually have uh, tangible solutions that our partners can take action on today to, to improve the day-to-day the -day, uh, goal of, of keeping these businesses alive. So how important is it for you guys to continue to pull together companies like Solero, and the community banks right now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, our approach to the industry is quite unique. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, particularly in this segment, 
Uh, we believe that you know nobody's going to sell a client in most instances of First National Bank better than that employee. And by giving them the tools that they need to understand the market, you know the payment space is is quite crowded. Um, it's quite disparate, and there's a lack of transparency. Um, we have a fiduciary responsibility to equip our our bankers, our community banks, with the right tools, uh, the right knowledge to arm them to go out into the market. And one thing that I think is super important is we we talk about the idea of of keep business local, you know, the shop local campaigns, the eat local campaigns. But I also think it's important to bank locally and also to do your processing locally because, you know, that community bank that's handling the, the loan and the deposit and also the payments processing is actually paying for the stoplight. It's paying to pave those roads in that community. And if they're taking that to uh, another institution or another organization that's not based in that community, um, then nobody's winning. So, you know, we really strive to, to build concentric circles with our bank branch partners to make sure that they're servicing the businesses in their communities. That's a great point, Matt. One of the things that I want to point out that as a political science major that stuck with me my entire life is um, that point you just made about how important it is to shop local. I don't think most people realize this because I was pretty stunned when I learned it. But, you know, if you Shopping local is very powerful. And, you know, I'll just give you an example. If, if, if Joe from the pharmacy uh, restaurant down in East Nashville makes a dollar and goes and spends it at Tennessee Soccer Club, and then someone from that club goes and spends it at Frothy Monkey, and then someone from Frothy Monkey goes to a show at Basement East, you know, that dollar gets circulated through the tax system four times. And if you look at the statistics, a dollar spent locally – is taxed locally 4.6 times versus a dollar spent at a big box is taxed, of course, one time. And so it's an amazing difference in the power of that that dollar when you spend locally for the local economy to support things like the theater department, parks, music, sports programs, public safety. And that's always really stuck with me that those shop local campaigns are a lot more about just keeping an area cool, which I think is a big part of it. But also, for local economies, putting the dollar in the hand of a business owner that uses that dollar to put food on their kid's table, um, to pay for sports programs for their children, et cetera, it just circulates that dollar through the economy so many more times. Yeah, I think it uh, just parlays the fact of the, um, the ingenuity and the persistence of the American entrepreneur. You know, So I think we saw a very quick outbound, um, especially in the, in the food and, and restaurant world of you know, changing the metric from uh, inside dining to uh, outside dining and leveraging delivery services um, so that people can continue to produce revenue uh, and, and feed others during this time. Um, you know, from the retail sector, uh, obviously that's been hit very hard as well. Um, kind of a bright spot story uh, that just happened in the last week or so is a particular retailer of a, a bank partner of ours in, in the Atlanta market, uh, really as a specialty retailer, had kind of changed the retail business already. Um, you know, it's been very difficult for uh, independents uh, within that sector. It's been continuing to decline, but they've done a great job from a physical standpoint over the years of growing locations, uh, hosting incredible book signings or cooking classes or arts and craft classes, and they've never had a website uh, because they didn't feel the need to compete with everybody else online. Um, Obviously, as this hit, um, they were able to leverage strong mailing lists for their classes and and take that physical space 
they leveraged our tools of building a very simple website. And at launching that website, they did $30,000 in business in one day. Um, they did about 10,000 just from curated products that they were already including in the store. But uh, two thirds of the business they had was sending out to that same mailing list saying, look, you know, we're going to continue to to provide uh, classes in this community. Please purchase gift cards, purchase VIP and memberships. Uh, we want to stay in business. And, and they told me that you know, they had long shunned the, the online traffic environment. However, because they had built a very strong retail footprint, and we were able to provide them the tools that they needed, uh, that cash flow will keep them in, in business for the next several months. And they feel like uh, having that online presence as they move forward will continue to, to increase their revenues by 15 to 20%. So we are seeing um, trends of, of people continuing to adapt. Um, you know, certain industries have been hard, hit harder from others, and it's, it's pretty intuitive if you think about places where uh, people are interacting on a daily basis. But there's also some businesses that are thriving right now and specific industries. So we're also approaching those industries saying right now, when your volumes are up, you know, we have solutions to continue to increase those volumes at decreased costs. Um, And if our banks are processing that business, they're also picking up fee income as well. Matt, before we let you go, if you could boil it down to two or three things that you think community bankers need to be doing right now, our bankers are doing a great job right now being outbound with their customer base. Um, you know, obviously with some of the bills that have come down that we'll talk about later, um, you know, they want to make sure that they're simplifying that process for business owners. And I just spoke to uh, an entrepreneur here locally that said that they banked with a larger institution uh, and it was an absolute nightmare for them to try to fill out that paperwork and had put them in touch with one of our partners here in Nashville. And they said that they got it knocked out within 30 minutes. So I think that's a, a big challenge for them right now. But also presenting solutions for small business, specifically with payments, you know, making them aware that uh, we have the tools and solutions to allow them to compete and and just providing that that local service and local trust. You know, you can never replace that. Uh, community banks are the champion of small businesses within their footprint and beyond. Um, and, and my hope is that we come out stronger on the other side uh, where more and more people value uh, local bankers because of their trust and their integrity in the market. Well, as we wrap up the first episode of the podcast, um, Kevin, tell me why, you know, aside from Solero, why this mission to help small businesses, why that's so close to your heart? You know, I think it comes down to quality of life for all of us. I mean, I want to uh, go to the local brewery and I don't want to eat at chains and shop at Big Box and I want local coffee shops and I love my Solero boardroom table from Rooster's Farmhouse. And, you know, thinking about who sponsors Little League Baseball and soccer teams. I mean, these small businesses just play such a huge role in our day-to-day lives. And I think we take that for granted until times like this when you think about their extinction. (laughs) And so, you know, I kind of close up with just saying, you know, shop local, eat local, drink local, uh, go out of your way. I can promise you that Taco Bell and Target are going to survive this, but um, we need to be focusing on our local coffee shop and our local restaurant that needs, like Scott said earlier, $200 a day to survive. And going and getting curbside or ordering it online through Grubhub um, or scheduling an appointment or using a virtual gift card to help them survive this. I think all of those things that you know, our offense and our, our survival kit are really trying to provide. You can help with that. 